to John chapter 16, verse 1. John chapter 16, verse 1. You don't have to look very far to find bad news, do you? Uh, if you turn on the TV, there's plenty to see. Um, and, um, and that's the way life is generally. There's a lot of things that we face, a lot of challenges that we face. Uh, praise God that we have the Lord Jesus Christ to face those things with us. Uh, David, uh, King David in his life um, had his son rebel against him. He hears that his son is coming with an army to kill him and take his throne, and he flees, and he, he prays, and he, he writes a psalm, and he says, I will not be afraid. You see, despite the thousands coming against him, David knew that he was not alone. And you and I are not alone either. We have someone who goes with us through every trial of life. And when we hear bad news in life, we need to remember that there are some truths in our Christian faith that can sustain us in those times. And uh, this scripture is actually bad news from Jesus, at least as far as the disciples are concerned, is bad news. Jesus is going to leave them. This is such a, a disillusioning thing because they expected, you remember James and John's mother coming saying, uh, can one of my sons sit on your right and one of them sit on the left in your kingdom? I mean, they had this middle picture of what Jesus was going to do. Uh, and, and they thought, well, Jesus is going to set up an earthly kingdom. He's going to defeat the Romans and he's going to rescue us. And then we're going to be the heroes. We're going to rule with the Messiah. That was not the case. Now, in the future, Jesus will set up an earthly kingdom. And Jesus will deliver us and so forth. But Jesus' first coming, he came to establish a spiritual kingdom through the cross. So he's telling the disciples, I'm going away. And you're grieved by this. And, you know, the disillusion, I, we, we, we thought we were going to rule. And now we find out we're not going to rule. Matter of fact, we're not even going to be honored. We're going to be cast out of the synagogue. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to have struggle. And Jesus is going away, the one in whom our hope is focused. What are we to do? And they're grieving and they're disturbed. But Jesus said, it's a good thing if I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when I send you the Holy Spirit, He is going to do His work and you will be sustained in the trouble and the difficulty that you face. He will be enough. And God, instead of walking with you on the outside, will be living with you on the inside. What an amazing truth. And so, Jesus encourages them to find hope despite the fact that he is going away. And so the title of my message is Finding Hope Despite Bad News. And so uh, if you will, look with me at verse 1 of John 16. He says, I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. 
But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember that I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going away to him who sent me, and not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So finding hope despite bad news. Uh, what does Jesus tell us to remember? Well, first of all, when you hear bad news, remember the Spirit's comforting presence. His comforting presence. He says in verse 7, I'm telling you the truth, it is for your benefit. In other words, it's going to be better that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor or the paraclete or your translation may say the comforter, all of those are good. Uh, the paraclete is a transliteration. The, these others are translations. But the comforter is one who is called alongside us to be with us in every circumstance of life. He is our comforter. Listen, wherever I go, the Holy Spirit goes with me because I know Christ. And if you've repented and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he goes with you too. And he is there. He's there with you at the workplace. He's there with you at your family's house. He's there with you on vacation. Wherever you may be, Jesus is with you. And he's there to comfort you. And he knows where we are. I was uh, praying to the Lord last night uh, uh, after Sherry had gone to bed, I was just kind of talking to the Lord about some things that had been on my heart. Uh, I opened up Facebook, and someone had posted a verse, and it is exactly about what I had just been praying about. It was like God was saying, this is for you, Roger. The comforter came alongside for me and gave me a word of encouragement. And he does that. He is so faithful to do that. In every trial of life, he's never left me or forsaken me. And he won't because he's promised not to. Uh, he is one who's called alongside us to help us and to comfort us in those struggles and times of difficulty in our lives. Uh, Jesus tells them at one point, he says, listen, you're, you're all going to forsake me, but I am not alone. You see, God walked with Christ through every challenge that he faced. Um, I had a couple in, in my previous church who lost their little girl, and um, she was, I think she was about eight years old, and uh, uh, she, uh, she had spinal meningitis, and they didn't know it, and, and they took her to the hospital, and within just a couple of hours, she passed. And uh, in the middle of of that, uh, they told me, they said this, we were hurting, we were grieving. They said, but the most profound sense of God's peace just washed over us in that time. 
And we realized God is with us and he is comforting us and he's assuring us in this difficult time. Listen, there's not a place, there's not a hospital room that God can't go, uh, to which God can't go. And you know, he, he, is, he is with us and he comforts us. And so we need to remember, when you hear bad news, no matter what may come, our comforter will always be with us to sustain us in difficulty. So finding hope despite bad news, we find it by remembering his comforting presence, his continuing work, his continuing work. Oh, Jesus, I thought when you left the scene, the work was going to stop. No, it continues. It continues. Look at verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world. He will convict the world. You see, the Holy Spirit has been doing that for 2,000 years. He's been doing it beyond that uh, because uh, he was at work in, in a more limited way in the Old Testament. But uh, since he came at Pentecost to indwell the hearts of believers... The Holy Spirit's been working. And can I tell you something? Washington can't legislate away his work. And I want to tell you, no matter what the enemy may try to do, no matter whom they may kill, no matter whom they may come against, the Holy Spirit's work will continue. These 12 apostles Jesus was talking to, according to church tradition, 11 of the 12 were killed for their faith. Some say all 12 were killed for their faith. But can I tell you, the work of the gospel did not stop. The work of the Spirit continued to go forward. He continued to convict hearts. He continued to do His work. And He'll continue throughout all eternity to do His work. The work of the Spirit will not stop. Now it'll be a little different and there won't be sin to convict of. Uh, in heaven, but that comforting work uh, will continue. And what a joy it's going to be to have the fullness of his work uh, when that old sin nature is taken away. Uh, now, listen, individuals can quench the Holy Spirit of God. One scripture says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Uh, we, can, we can resist the Spirit's work. We can quench the Spirit's work through our sin. But even though that's the case, the Spirit's work continues. He may overlook Saul for David, but his work will continue. That's a comfort to me. You know, there have been times where, where the Roman Empire was trying to, to uh, confiscate, confiscate scriptures and uh, put Christians to death. Anyone who spoke in the name of Jesus Christ, there, were, there was an all-out assault on them. Uh, a couple of the emperors of Rome were exceedingly cruel in the persecutions they brought against Christians, but they couldn't stop it. All the power of Rome, all the leadership of Judea that stood against Jesus and his followers, all of the tyrants of history who have tried to stop the gospel have not been successful because... The Spirit of God continues His work. <laughs> I, uh, I heard a number of years ago, 
about this, uh, this Russian individual. He was being interviewed, and he was sharing before the Iron Curtain fell, and, uh, and Christianity was suppressed in Russia, they would look at the atheist books to find out what they were opposing so that they would know what Christ said to Christians. Okay? So they were, the atheists were saying these, these Christians that believe in God or believe that Jesus is God. Well, oh, Jesus is God. We need to treat Jesus as God. They were learning from atheist literature. Can I tell you something? The Spirit of God is able to do His work. Um, a couple of years ago, I read a book about what God is doing in the Muslim world. It's fascinating. Many places where Christianity is not allowed and, and even where you may be put to death if you name the name of Christ, um, God is bringing Muslims to faith. And many of them are having dreams. I, I heard the testimony of a, of a missionary, uh, and, and she said that they were, they were there in this country, and they were, they were witnessing, and, and this man, when they gave him a gospel tract, he, he tore it into multiple pieces and threw it on the ground and spit and turned and walked away. Next day, he came back, and he said, could I have one of those tracts? that you gave me yesterday. And of course they gave him one and said, well, why, uh, you know, after your response yesterday, why do you want one today? He said, well, last night in a dream, Jesus appeared to me and said, you need to go back to those people and get one of those brochures they were handing out and you need to put your trust in me. Many places, uh, there are testimonies of Jesus appearing to Muslims in dream every single night for an entire year. Can I tell you something? The Spirit's at work. <laughs> you can't legislate Him away. You can't persecute Him away. His power and His work will continue. He will convict the world. So, finding hope despite bad news. Remember His comforting presence. Remember His continuing work. Remember His call to faith. Verse 9, we'll look at verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Verse 9, about sin because they do not believe in me. You see, the Holy Spirit convicts people and shows people or convinces people that they need Jesus by showing them their sin. And he does that in a number of ways. One is God has given all of us a conscience, and we recognize when we have, we have violated our conscience. And you can have a seared conscience if you, if you resist it long enough. But uh, he uses conscience. God also uses the Word of God. As people hear the Word of God and it confronts their sin, uh, it is used by the Holy Spirit to draw them to Jesus Christ, to show them their need of Jesus Christ. But he also convicts directly uh, in, in the hearts of people. He uses the, he uses the witness of God's people. Um, and by the way, that is one reason we do not need to be intimidated by the politically correct crowd. We need to speak the truth. Now, you don't do it in an obnoxious way or a belligerent way. Be kind and be respectful. 
but speak the truth. Because how do people know they need Jesus unless we share with them? Right? So, uh, but the Spirit can work without us. He can work without us. He can bring conviction. Uh, I've heard some stories about the, the great revivals of America's history where um, the Spirit of God would fall so powerfully on a city that people would be walking down the street doing normal daily activities and they just fall to their knees in brokenness and repentance and give their lives to Christ uh, because the Spirit was so powerfully working. You see... The Spirit doesn't point out our sin just to give us a hard time, okay? That's not His purpose. The devil will do that. He'll, he'll bring up your sin and remind you of your past and give you a hard time. The Spirit will point out your sin so that you can come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then once you come to faith in Jesus Christ, He'll point out your sin so you can confess it and repent of it. So that you can be in the, in the uh, uh, walking in the Spirit's power and in the abundant life. Uh, but... Uh, this is his, how he calls people to faith. One of the keys to evangelism is to let people know what some sins are. Right? There's a reason God gave us the Ten Commandments. You can use the Ten Commandments. You can use other things in Scripture. But uh, giving some examples of sin. Uh, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever stolen something? Have you ever uh, been disrespectful to your parents? Okay? These are all things God addresses in his word. By the way, did you know that there could be a death penalty carried out for being disrespectful to your parents? Now, I don't know that it was ever enforced, but <laughs> it was at least a possibility. Okay, if you, if you cursed your parents, you could literally be put to death. That's how seriously God took it. So, uh, talking about some sins, or what about this? Um, uh, Jesus says, if you look with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. Okay? Or if you say, you fool, you idiot, on the highway. He didn't say on the highway, I just added that. But uh, <laughs> that's, uh, he says, you're in danger of hellfire. Why? Because you've broken the spirit. Of the command, thou shalt not kill. Because where does that start? It starts in the heart. It starts with hating somebody else. Now, I realize you call somebody a name on the highway. You probably don't hate them. But, um, but, but we, we see just how far our standard is from God's standard. And it shows us our need for Christ. One of the amazing things about Jesus Christ is he was absolutely spotless in his character. He never committed one sin. There's never something he did that he shouldn't have done. There's never, never something he should have done that he failed to do. In every facet of his words, of his thought life, of his, of his service to other people, in every way, he was perfectly righteous. And because he was, he was perfectly qualified to die for sin in my place and in your place. And he took our sin. I, I love what Corinthians says. God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus said, let me take your sin. I'll give you my righteousness. 
as your garment. This is God's great work through the cross. And, and G, the Spirit's call to faith is a call to recognize that we're sinners in need of a Savior. So, finding hope despite bad news, we find hope in His comforting presence, in His continuing work, in His call to faith. People continue to be saved throughout history. No matter uh, what is going on in the world, the Spirit continues to call people to faith. And I'm so glad because He called me to faith. Praise His name for His great work. And then, uh, find hope uh, despite bad news because of his convincing of righteousness. Look at verse 10. He's convicting about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Um, one of the things about this world is, is that our consciences do sometimes get seared. Uh, the Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest they should believe and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's an intentional blinding of the evil one. There is a program of deception that the evil one has tried to use and has done so with some success at times. Jesus, when he walked the face of this earth, lived in perfect righteousness and it was one of the most amazing things that had ever happened in history because you could see in everyday circumstances of life exactly what righteousness looked like jesus knew how to pro do you, you do know there's a hierarchy of laws in the old testament not every uh everything is treated the same way you had ceremonial laws, you had, you had, but then the moral laws and so forth. And, uh, and Jesus knew exactly what was most important and what to do in every circumstance he faced. And he fulfilled it perfectly. It was truly amazing. I would love to see how Jesus would have handled some of the things I've observed in this, in this life. Uh, but they got to see that. Now, the Spirit, Jesus says, it's better if I go and the Spirit comes to you. And he says, because the Spirit is going to convict or convince of righteousness. How does he do that? Well, he does that one way is through the Word of God. He takes the Word of God, he communicates it uh, to us and shows us what true righteousness is, is like according to God's Word. Um, as we read the pages and we read the accounts of Jesus' life, we see the, those uh, aspects of righteousness. We read the Old Testament, we read the New Testament. We see God's plan for righteousness, that God has a standard. And uh, that standard is given not only in the Ten Commandments, but in, in the, the moral law of God that we have violated as, as people. And then uh, his call uh, to, to repent that most of the time was ignored uh, throughout history. Uh, then ultimately sending Jesus because what we really needed was a heart change so that we would want to choose righteousness, right? So he sent Jesus. And then, of course, one day he's going to bring in the kingdom of righteousness. So the Word of God tells us about all this, this, uh, this, these aspects of righteousness. But there's sometimes in life where things come up that we may not completely understand what the best course of action is, right? 
Have you ever, have you ever had a situation come up in your life where maybe there were two right things? Or maybe there were things that, yeah, well, I'm not sure. Neither one of these options looks very good. What should I do? I have to make a decision. What should I do? Well, the Holy Spirit convinces of righteousness. He helps us to apply God's righteousness to the circumstances of life. I can't observe Jesus because Jesus is no longer here and neither can you. But I do have the Holy Spirit within me who can say, hey, what about this scripture over here and bring that scripture to mind? Or who can use the words of counsel of a Christian friend who speaks into my life? Or who can just communicate to my heart, this is what you need to do and give me peace concerning the course of action I need to take. He convinces me of righteousness. Now, Jesus did things. Um, the Pharisees had this whole code of list of, of different things that they had added to the Scripture. They expected everybody to follow their list. And by the way, if you are walking along um, the road on the Sabbath day and you accidentally scuff the dirt with your shoe, you've plowed on the Sabbath and you've broken the Sabbath. Uh, uh, if you walk... It's okay to walk on the Sabbath, but if you walk farther than this many steps, you've broken the Sabbath. That all these rules that they added. Jesus didn't hesitate to break their rules. <laughs> he, he, said, he said, listen, that's not Scripture. And he said, listen, this man's need for healing is more important than your tradition about what I should or shouldn't do on the Sabbath day. Jesus saw the course of righteousness and it was clear to him and he took that course of action despite what people thought. And by the way, that's the definition of courage. You want to see courage in action? Look at Jesus Christ. He, he was courage personified. The, the, the religious establishment was against him. They plotted his death. From the very beginning of his ministry, he kept right on teaching the truth. He would not bow to the, the whims and, and evil of people. He did what was right despite what people thought. Now, uh, I, had a, I had a professor, uh, one, one fellow was talking about being a voice in the wilderness. He said, if you're too much of a voice in the wilderness, they'll send you to the wilderness. And so, uh, uh, you know, and so, uh, uh, so, uh, but, but, but here's the thing. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ knew in what situation what to do. When the Pharisees were around, he usually talked very direct. He was trying to break through their blindness and wake them up to the truth of their situation. They were lost and they were going to split hell wide open. They may have had a Ph.D. behind their name. In, in, uh, in Judaism of that day, but they were going to split hell wide open because they did not know the Lord. And uh, so he tried to, but with others, others would come and they were broken over their sin and, and Jesus was so full of mercy. He didn't bring up their sin. He, did, he didn't condemn them. He received them. But you see, because Jesus was who he was, he knew how to apply righteousness in every situation that he faced and we have the Holy Spirit within us who knows the same thing and he knows how to lead us in life and so that ought to encourage us 
when you don't know what to do, you can come to the Word of God, and you should. You can get the counsel of other believers, and you should. But first and foremost, as you listen to the Word of God, you need to listen uh, to the Holy Spirit as well and let Him apply the truths of God's Word so that you can fulfill God's plan and fulfill it righteously. He convinces of righteousness. By the way, that's one of the translations of the word convict that most of our English translations have here, to convince. So he convinces us of righteousness. And I love this. So finding hope despite bad news, not only uh, to remember his comforting presence, his continuing work, his call to faith, his convincing of righteousness, but finally his condemnation of the devil. (laughs) I love it. Verse 11, and he's talking about convicting, what he, the Spirit's work of convicting. He will convict about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Satan is called the ruler of this world here, uh, and elsewhere he's called the God, little g, of this world uh, because he's been given a measure of authority uh, in this world. Colossians says that when you become a Christian, when you repent of your sin and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, God transfers you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. And so uh, you're no longer under the evil one's authority. Now, obviously, when the devil rebelled against God before time began, um, his doom was assured because... No one can stand against the power of God. But in the coming of Jesus and in the work of Jesus at the cross, the devil was utterly defeated. Now, through faith in Jesus Christ, people could be delivered from his clutches. And it just gave the assurance that what Jesus said about him was going to be fulfilled. One day, he's going to be thrown in the lake of fire. Wouldn't that be a great day? We never have to deal with him again. He'll be thrown in the lake of fire. Hell, by the way, hell was prepared for the devil and his demons. Did you know that? The only reason people go to hell is because we sin against God, we break his law, and we refuse Christ. Uh, And because we refuse Christ, there's no other option for eternity. And the judgment of God must be carried out. Uh, God has provided a way, and his name is Jesus But what a wonderful thing to know that the devil is a defeated foe. Did you know as a Christian you need to respect the power of the devil and to know that he's smarter than you and he's stronger than you. But you don't need to fear him because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And the Holy Spirit helps us by faith to recognize the devil is a defeated foe. And you may lose some battles along the way, but I'm going to tell you something. We've already won the victory. Christ has already been crucified on our behalf. I've been cleansed. My debt is paid. My justice has been satisfied. And one day Jesus is coming, and I'm leaving this world, and I'm going to go to heaven to be with him. And what a day that's going to be. Listen, the devil's doom is sure. I'm going to heaven. He's going to the lake of fire. And the Holy Spirit convinces of of that fact. And so Jesus is saying, look, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be dealing with all of these things in your life as you try to serve me. But he said, I want you to understand something. When it seems the devil is winning, 
He is not. He is defeated. And his doom is sure. There's nothing he can do about it. And there's nothing anybody in this world can do about it. And praise God, Jesus has won the victory. So if you've heard some bad news, take heart. Our God is with us. He'll comfort us. He'll sustain us. He'll help us. His power is so great that it can't be stopped. What we do for Christ, 1 Corinthians 15 says, is not in vain. (laughs) Isn't that neat? You may not see the results of it, but it is not in vain. When you serve Christ, he will take it and use it. And the doom of the devil is sure. One day, all the suffering, all the persecution, all the heartache that people experience in this life will be over. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there'll be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Jesus, the one seated on the throne, said, Behold, I make all things new. This is our hope. This is our heritage as children of God. The Holy Spirit reminds us of this. And he reminds us of the condemnation of the devil. Finding hope despite bad news. Remember his comforting presence, his continuing work, his call to faith, his convincing of righteousness, and his condemnation of the devil. Jesus has given us the precious Holy Spirit to live within us to guide us, to help us, to sustain us. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Let's go forth in faith. Let's go forth as conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Death, life, things present, things to come can't separate us from the love of Christ. Let's go forth in victory, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to sustain us and see what God will do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that despite the bad news that we sometimes hear in this world, that we have a comforter who is with us, who sustains us, who works, who moves, who calls to faith. And Lord, I pray that uh, we would rest in, in our trust in Him, in our trust in Jesus Christ and in You, Father, as we live this life. Help us not turn to the right or to the left, but help us move straight. Uh, in the will of God, and the purposes and plans you have for us. And uh, Father, if persecution comes, if difficulty and hardships come, so be it. But Father, help us face them in faith, and help us face them in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let us walk uh, with confidence, knowing that our enemy is ultimately doomed. And uh, one day we're going to see Jesus. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day they would repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ would be forever changed by the power of your hand. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.